Now, Steve's mother pastors a great church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Been a strong preacher of the gospel and preaches the whole counsel of God. He's going to share with us some of his battle scars and also challenges to take it to the next level. Please give a warm welcome to Pastor Steve Smotherman. Wow, what a great conference this has been, hasn't it? You know, I, I, if I could say a word about Matt Staver, he, he really does want to help churches. He's helped me throughout the years, um, answering any questions I might have. I appreciate people who love God and love the church enough to help us pastors understand and navigate what is happening in, in our country and, and letting us know what the laws are. So my name is Steve Smotherman. I'm the husband of one wife. For about, for almost 35 years, I have three children, eight grandchildren. I pastor a church with some great people in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, the people I serve with are absolutely the best. We have a total of five campuses and a Christian school that goes from K-4 through the 12th grade. Amen. The only reason I say that to you, um, because I really don't talk a lot about what God's done for us as far as a church is to give some context of what I'm going to share today. I have about 180 employees that I'm responsible for. I live in one of the bluest states in all of America. People don't realize because New Mexico sits between Arizona and Texas, who are red states, people don't realize that um, it's, it's probably more blue than any other state, maybe California. New Mexico, then you get to the East Coast. Our governor is a progressive liberal that hates God, hates the church. The mayor of Albuquerque, which is the largest city in New Mexico, he's a progressive liberal. Seven of the nine city council people are progressive liberals and homosexuals. The county commission, four out of five are liberals. Our state is as blue as they come. And I, and I say that because of what's happening with the COVID, but what happened a few years ago in 2016. Now I know as I talk today that there are churches from all kinds of backgrounds in here and you have, you have boards and governance that's different than mine. And I, I thought about this when I was asked to share my testimony about what, what's gone on. And, and I, and I want to say this because I think it's true and it, a statement for everybody that spoke up here. As pastors, how many pastors in here? Oh, wow. So you, we all know the same weight, the same issues. We deal with the same kind of people. Come on. Some people you're glad to see and some people you're glad to see when they go. Come on, <laughs> and, and I know that people have different governances. You deal with boards. You deal with different issues than I may deal with. And so my statements today are never meant to condemn anything. It, it's meant, they're meant to inspire us just to take a stand and whatever the consequences are, that's what they are. And I, 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 I really do believe that we, we can leave here inspired. I, I, there's so much information to assimilate. How many of y'all with me? I'm like overloaded. I'm like, man, I, I, I said, can I get this on video? Because it's just too much. 
But, but I love what Carl said yesterday. He said, but we have to take this and apply it. If we don't apply it, then it does us no good. In the month of April in 2016, I was called by the Republican Party, and they asked me to MC a Trump rally in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, to be honest with you, first I said no, because I think the Republican Party in New Mexico is weak. Yeah. <laughs> They've done nothing. I mean, we've had a legislature in New Mexico that for 94 years have been Democrats, liberals. So, so I'm thinking, well, what have you done? None of our United States representatives are conservative. None of our United States senators are conservative. Everybody is this liberal, progressive, anti-God thinking. But after they asked me, I, I, I first said, I don't know, I got to think about it. They called me again. And then I thought, you know, this would be great. What if he wins? Because if you remember, everybody said he can't win. And I said, what if he wins? Wouldn't this be a great opportunity uh, to share with my children some time down the road and said, listen, I was a little bit a part of helping him. So I agreed to do it based on that. So I emceed this event. They asked me to come and I... I uh, uh, I, I, I was there, and you know, there was a ton of people, and as we walked in, there were protesters everywhere, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? It, it caught me off guard, to be honest with you, because I, I, just didn't, I just didn't think about that part of it. So we're walking by these protesters, we're going in, they get us ready, I get up, I'm introducing the speakers and making a few comments here and there um, before President Trump arrived. In fact, some of the friends I was with uh, one of the guys drove one of the cars to take Trump and his team from the airport to the convention center in downtown Albuquerque. And when I was going in, there were some friends of mine that showed up, and they got in, and, and this one guy in particular handled my social media. In other words, he was able to get on my Facebook and do things because I do have a Facebook, but I don't really do anything on it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like... I found out not too long ago I have an Instagram page, and someone came up to me and said, hey, I like the thing on Instagram. I said, I have an Instagram page? And they said, yeah, you post all the time. And I said, yeah, I don't post anywhere. But anyway, so, so uh, he asked me because he, could, he had access to my Facebook. He said, hey, we'll, we'll Facebook Live this and then put it on your website, and, or my, my Facebook. And I said, that would be awesome. I thought, man, I'll have an archive of it. I'll be able to... You know, you tell people, look, I was there, and, the, and if, if, if he won. So what I wasn't ready for was what happened after that. As we were leaving that night, if some of you remember, if you uh, don't, I think Fox News reported it looked like a third world country in Albuquerque, New Mexico, after the riot. In fact, me and a friend, we were walking out, and someone said, don't go that way, man, they're rioting. We had no idea. So we had to go a different way, and they're throwing rocks at policemen and cars and I mean, just a bunch of thugs and punks, in my opinion. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So anyway, it goes all over my Facebook page and over 30,000 or 40,000 views. And all of a sudden, I started getting the worst comments ever. Now, I really didn't read much of my Facebook stuff, but for some reason, I decided I'm going to read some of these comments. And it was awful. I was being attacked, started affecting my church. In fact, I had to get up on several occasions and tell our church, I said, guys, man, we're Christians. 
We're not going to fight like this because people are fighting, you know, Hillary Clinton. No, we hate Donald Trump. He's a racist. And when you ask people, what has he said that's racist, they never can articulate that. I'm like, what the heck, you know? I don't know if I can say that to pastors, but I, I didn't use the other word. I just used that word. And, and I thought to myself, I, I thought, this is crazy. So I got up a couple of times in our church. I said, listen. This stuff on social media needs to stop. I mean, people are like attacking, and the, and the people who are true believers, they're ragging the other people who think it's okay to support a candidate that wants to kill babies like Hillary does. I mean, we all know her. She's just terrible. I saw a picture one day. Someone sent me a picture of, of why Bill Clinton's so miserable, and it had him next to Hillary, and then why Donald Trump's so happy. It had him next to his wife. And by the way, my hands aren't small. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you got that. Anyway, so, so I, I, I get up and, and for a couple of times and I say, guys, stop. This is, this is awful, man. We're believers. We don't attack each other. We're not going to do this. Well, it just got worse. And it got worse attacking me and the church. And we were called the Trump Church. And, and I'm, I'm a racist now. And the church is racist. And, and you got to understand our church. The church I pastor in Albuquerque is 65% Hispanic. And 35% everybody else. Native American. We probably have one of the largest, if not the largest, black congregation that comes to our church. And so it's very diversified. I mean, it's just, it's just very diverse. And so I'm like, man, this is crazy. I never expected it. And so I, as this goes on, we're being attacked. We're, we're just, you know, people are just going crazy. The church people are trying to tell me what to do. So my mistake was I got mad. And one day after a Sunday sermon, I cut it short. I had a chair there, and I sat in a chair, and I said, okay, I'm going to just talk to you. And, and so I began to talk to the church, and I said, let, let me just explain how this works. I don't need your permission to tell me who I support or what I believe in. I said, I didn't ask for it, so I don't know why you people think I need it. Now, this is the thousands of people. And, I'm, and, I, and I just got mad, like, who do these people think they are talking to me like this? Just come up and say it to my face. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm a pastor, and I'm a little older, but I still fight a little bit. I mean, I, you know, I, I just think, who, who are you to talk to me like this? So then I go on on this, this rant thing, and I, and I say, listen, people have left this church for all kinds of reasons. I turned behind me, we have LED screens, and I said, people left when we put up the LED screens. They didn't they think we needed them. People leave the church and have left the church because I do an altar call for the lost every service. I mean, if we, if we, have, a, if we have a dinner, we're going to have an altar call. I just believe that's the whole reason we preach the gospel. I mean, it'd be crazy to go to a doctor because you're sick, and you go to the doctor, and he says, yeah, you're sick, have a good day. You'd be like, well, I came because I knew I was sick. I need you to help fix me. And then they come to church and, and, and they know that they have issues, but we don't give them the answer to the issues. And so I, I go on. I said, people left this church because I do altar call. People leave the church because we do a minute and a half tithes and offerings. We believe Christians should give. People left the church because they didn't like the carpet, they didn't like the chairs, or didn't like what we did to the foyer. I get it. So I said this statement. So... If you don't like my stance, 
and you don't like what I believe in, then you vote with your feet and your money. Go. Well, nothing happened for a while. This is probably late September. And so my staff is like freaking out like, oh, my gosh. And so as the days went on, Trump comes back to New Mexico. The Republican Party calls me and said, hey, Pastor, he's just gonna, we're going to do something at the airport. He's going to fly in, come talk to us. Would you do the opening prayer? I'm like, okay. I mean, it's already bad. I mean, how much worse can it get? So I show up because, you know, I'm determined. These people aren't going to, these crazy people aren't going to tell me what to do. I'm, I'm still a human being. I'm nobody's dog. And, and I, and I, and I want to say this too. You know, guys, we, I think we all need to decide for ourselves. Do we want to build a crowd or a church? I, I, you know, I heard Matt Saver say, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, but it will prevail against the crowd. And, and, I, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to do what I, I want. My daughter went with me, my son-in-law, man, we were having the greatest time. It's like, go Trump! And the first thing he got up there and the media was there and he started ragging the media like I'd seen on TV. And I was like happy. I was like, this is awesome. Finally, someone's saying things that we've all thought maybe. And having the guts to. Now, I know he's not perfect and I know people don't like some of the stuff he's in there, but I... I happened to laugh at a lot of it, like, wow. You know, when he was doing the Miss America, whatever, he's over, and he told, the, you know, the, 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 one, the girl who won, she's getting fat. I'm like, wow. <laughs> and someone said, well, I think that was me. And I said, yeah, he could have said, hey, contractually, she has a contract to look a certain way. She, she won a beauty contest, not the ugly duckling contest, you know, so. And, and, I, and I thought he could have been a little bit, but, you know, he's just like that, Whatever. And so I went there, I prayed, and there was a ton of people there. The media was there, and so here we go again, right? Like, ah, Pastor Steve's a racist, Legacy Church is racist. You can only go there if you, if you like Trump. And everything was okay. I mean, we were still doing well. People were still coming. And then what happened on, in November 2016, he won. And when he won... Um, you know, I was up all night, three o'clock in the morning. I'm at my house. I've never done a happy dance. I'm at my house at three o'clock in the morning doing my happy dance. Like he won, you know? And I, I, I thought, man, this is great. I remember the day, you know, the, the service right after he won, people came in, we're hugging each other. We're high five and he won. But what happened that following week? was, and I was telling people for years, the last few years, that we lost about 1,400 people. Then I had my staff, because I was coming here, I said, go, go really look. I mean, I've been saying that. I've actually been lying. Um, we lost 1,566 unit, family units. And I knew it was bad, but the other day when I found out, I felt worse. Like, oh, man, four years later, man, I'm like, what? I'm, I need therapy. Well, if you, if you multiply that by about 2.7, that's about 4,200 people. I knew it went down. Right after that, they stayed until he won. And then they did what I said to do, which was the dumbest. You know, I, I think back and I think, what would you do different? I, I've thought about this and I said, I'd probably did everything I did because I believed in it. But I wouldn't have got mad and sat there and said, if you don't like it, leave. Because right after he was elected that week, 
that many people left our church. Yeah, okay, just, just take that in for a moment. Think, okay. That many people was in my church that really didn't believe in the God of the Bible. They were a D or an R before they were a C, Christian. Actually, a B, a believer. Because the word Christian is so used for everything. I mean, today everybody's a Christian. And people ask me sometimes, how do you know you're the right one? I said, because when you're the, the number one, you're the original, everybody else compares themselves to you. So the Mormons, Jehovah, they all compare themselves to Christians. And when you're a believer, you don't, you don't compare yourself to anybody because there's nothing to compare yourself to. We, we're the real deal. So that many people left our church that month between November and the end of January. We were down for the very first time that I've been in the church. I've been in the church 18 years, and in four days will be 18 years and nine months. For the first time since I'd been there... Our money was down 11% from November to the end of January. My fiscal year runs from the 1st of July to the end of June. By the time June came, when I, I'm telling you, man, it was, it was weird to see. I mean, you, you lose that many people. I mean, just say it was 3,000. I mean, it's noticeable. And, and I thought, I was shocked. I was shocked about, and I don't know why I get shocked. Like, how, how do Christians... Think this way. I got in a conversation with a lady, black lady, and I knew her. We'd helped her. She was very sweet. Her and I got in a conversation uh, on the phone one day, and, and we began to talk, and, and she said, you just support Donald Trump. I said, listen, I support anybody who's pro-life. So call him what you want. Hillary Clinton wants to kill babies after they're born. I can't support that. And, and so I'll never forget the conversation went on for a while. And then she finally said, I don't care what the Bible says. I believe in a woman's right to choose to kill babies. I'll never forget this conversation because I said, I said, what? Wait, what did you just say? I said, you don't care what the Bible says? And she goes, I believe in a woman's right to choose. I said, can I tell you something? This conversation is over because we have no foundation to go to. And then I said this, I probably shouldn't have, and I said, I don't care if you ever come back. In fact, I don't want you to ever come back. Don't ever come back to this church. And then I hung up the phone. And I, I think as pastors sometimes, we, we need to understand, in, in Isaiah 51, I think it's verses 12 and 13, it talks about, who is man that you shall fear them? And then the first 13 begins, I said, did you forget me? I mean, really, the, the translation is, who is man that we shall fear? How much more shall we fear God who is last forever? And so many times we fear man who will die and wither like the grass and go to dust. And I'm not very smart at times, and so that's probably one of my issues um, because of things that I, I get involved in. And so, so that many people left. And, and, and I, I'm going I, I, to find in my notes because I, I wrote down what happened in the years to come. That following year, after our fiscal year ended, we, we were down 0.7%. So we had started making it up. In the following year, we were up 16.67% financially. 
2018, 2019, we were up 13.55%. And this last year, we were up almost 10%. So here's my thought. I've processed this so many times. And and I've, I've actually said this to some friends of mine. I said, let me tell you the difference between my church then and my church now. My church today, when people are there or people come, they know exactly who we are. They know exactly who I am. And, and, and so the church is growing. And, and, it, it, and just so you know, Pastor, because most of you get this, it just freed me. I can say what I want, do what I want. I mean, I, I can say the craziest stuff and our church just cheers. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it's funny. It's, you, you, you listen to them. You know, I, 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 uh, uh, with this COVID stuff, you know, our governor is so punishing to the church and I, I'm so sick of her. Um, and so I get up every Sunday morning, every Tuesday. Now, I have two midweek services because of the campuses. So I do a live t- Tuesday, a live Wednesday, and, and a live Saturday, and three live services on Sunday. I preach them all, by the way. So, yeah, that's not very smart either. I, I told you I wasn't very smart. And I get up and do what is called now... Um, we call it the welcome because of the online stuff we had to do. I said, hey, welcome to Legacy Church. I'm glad you're here. And now we have, in, you know, we have in-house people because the weekend after Mother's Day, even when she shut us down, we, uh, we decided I'm going to have church. I don't care what she says, what she does. We're just going to do church. And we're not going to do, she, if she finally gave us like 25%. I thought, Katie, bar the door, dude. We're open. No reservations. I mean, I, I think about reservations, and I know some people want to do it. I'm thinking, so what about the people you say you can't come? I mean, I thought our doors were supposed to be open. So I, I, I did that. I got up from the church and said, we're going to open up safe, sane, and spiritual. We're never going to fight over masks. In fact, if you want to wear one, wear one. If you don't, I don't care. I'm not the mask police. And then I said, and then I said, if you want to wear a hazmat suit, I don't care what you wear. Just be clothed, you know, wear something. And today our church is filling up. 99% of people don't wear masks. They don't socially, they, they, it's, it's almost impossible. They, they hug like nothing's happening. In fact, I've had my, the church I, I pastor, the people have told me, Pastor Steve, it's the only place I come that I feel normal. And so I get up and do what's called, we call it the welcome and then the rant. And I know the governor's people watch us because we're all over the Facebook Live and we, you know, we just, we're just, you know, people pay attention, I guess. I don't know. And so I do a rant. And, and so every service I get up and rant about this COVID stuff, about churches need to stay open, about, about how bad the governor is. I've called her, listen, I've called her evil, wicked, of the devil, People say, I don't think you should do that. I said, but it's true. And, um, and, and, and my church does just what you did. They cheer like, yeah, call her. You call her worse stuff than that. I'm good. Just call. Yeah, just, they just. And because now I have a church, not a crowd. The crowd left like they did to Jesus. When he said, are you going to eat my flesh and drink my blood? They're like, dude, you're sick. Then he looked at his disciples and said, you're going to leave me too? Here's what we know. There's a remnant of you and I out there. My goal today was to share my testimony with the thought to inspire you that other pastors are dealing with the same thing. We just have to decide what we're going to do. What stands we're going to take.
That's why I preface this by saying I get it. Everybody has different things to deal with. But the one thing we need to know is that we, we want to build a church. I don't want to build a crowd. Crowds are fickle. But the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll stand with you. They'll fight with you. I've had people in my church say, if you go to jail, man, we'll come bail you out. I'm like, well, thanks. So, Pastor, if you have funds, we'll pay for your court stuff. If you need, I'm like, okay, that's, that's so encouraging, you know. But, guys, when we stood for Donald Trump, we, we never know how people are going to react, and we can't control that. The only thing I can control and you can control is our attitude in it. Today, we know we're being assaulted on every level. I, I never in my life thought the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would be persecuted like it is today in America. And then I've heard the reasons why. People are communists, and they're, they're, you know, they're just sick people. They hate America. And we truly are the conscience of America. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the conscience of America. And if the conscience doesn't speak up, then anything will be allowed. And I think we as pastors and ministers and different people from walks of life, business people, we, we have to decide who we are. For me, I've just decided I'm going for broke. I mean, I rant so hard sometimes against this governor. In fact, one day I stopped the service on a Wednesday night and said, listen, I'm going to stop the service. I want to speak directly to the governor because I know where people are watching. She'd got on TV and talked about how, you know, there's churches out there and people, and I knew, like, okay, she's talking about us. But anyway, that that don't care about life. I'm just trying to save life, but yet the abortion clinics are open, and and 700-something people have died of COVID, supposedly. We found out that that's not true. And, and, and thousands of babies every year will be murdered in New Mexico. Let me, let me give you how liberal Albuquerque is. Albuquerque is considered the partial birth abortion clinic in America. So people come from all over the country to kill their babies in the third trimester. It's so liberal that we tried to get an ordinance, a city ordinance. We got it on the ballot to defeat that, to make it illegal to do that in Albuquerque, and we lost so where I live, it's not conducive. I mean, I, I would love to live in a red state. But for some reason, God has me there because I've thought about, Cynthia, we should just move. And you've got to understand, New Mexico's locked down. There's three states, they say, that's locked down. California, New Mexico, and J- New Jersey are the three most locked down states in America, or they were a few weeks ago. And yet we decided we're going to have church. We're going to just do what God wants us to do. When the Trump thing happened and went on, man, I was, I was nervous. I, for the first time in my whole ministry, we didn't grow financially. And can I say this to pastors, maybe just to give you a thought? You know, the church world is a fickle world anyway. You know, before, years ago, it was how big's your sanctuary? How many seats does it sit? And then they, then they just kind of go through these fads. And now it's like your attendance. And, 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 and they just keep going through these fads. And, I, and I, here's how I deal with my church. If the money's okay, I'm happy. Because we know, if you listen to some of the statistics, Christians come to church, what, average Christian, once every four, five, six weeks now. And I, I, I tell pastors all over when I travel, and I say, listen, you, you, just, just look at, if your money's good, you're healthy. 
Because people's lives are different. The church hasn't been a big deal. And I believe that's one of the reasons we've been persecuted. Because people haven't made the church as big a deal as they should. I think it's partly our fault. When Jerry Farwell was running this moral majority, people were, the, the government was afraid of the church. They, they don't fear us anymore. And that's why I love this. We're gathered together from, from all kinds of denominations and backgrounds. And I'm thinking, regardless of where you're from, and, and we don't fight over theology in this, we're for our freedom of religion to worship God the way we want to worship God. And nobody's going to tell us how to do that. And so, guys, I, I, I went through this, and they asked me to share it because it's painful. It wasn't fun. I stand up here, and we can laugh about it now, but at the time, man, it was, it was difficult. And I never thought I would ever be accused of some of the things I was accused of. I never thought that the Christian world, not the, not the world, the world, they get it. What I was shocked with is how many Christians attacked me. Well, I say Christians, so-called Christians. Because I said this to my church this past weekend. I said, listen, how can... You know, I said it over the midweek. I did a sermon on the spirit of the Antichrist in the world. And I, I, I said to our church, I said, how can you be a true believer and have God in your heart and believe it's okay to kill babies? And I'm, I'm like, how, how can you do that? How, how can you think that's okay? You know, the thing about becoming a believer is that we have to change our minds. I come from this background, whatever background I come from, when you get born again and you get right with God, he, he, he wants us to transform, but we have to begin to change our thinking. And what a lot of believers today aren't doing is changing their thinking. They want to hold on to the same old stuff. Well, that's not growth, that's not healthy. And if God can't change your mind, who can? And so I've just decided as, a, as, a, as Steve Smotherman, just a person. My dad was in the military, someone asked how many people served in Vietnam? My dad served in Vietnam, and he served in two tours of Korea. He was in, I grew up in a military home. I grew up all over. Somebody asked me where I'm from. I'm a mutt. I've lived in California. I've lived in uh, New Mexico twice. I've lived in uh, Oklahoma, uh, California again. I've lived in Tehran, Iran for a year. And, and, I, and, and my dad, I wasn't raised really as a Christian, and my dad was just a tough sergeant. He was a senior master. He was just one of those tough guys. He was bigger than I was, but, and he'd fight you. I mean, I remember at 18, he's coming home. Uh, I'm 18. He's coming home in his 40s, and he's mad. I said, what happened? He said, I just got in a fight. I'm like, wow. I said, did you win? He said, yeah, I hit him good, man. He was cheating at cards. I just popped him right in the mouth. He said, but then he got my coat up over me. It ticks me off that I would let him do that. I'm like... Wow, that's the kind of home I grew up in. So, I mean, he, never, he was a great dad to me, but, but he, he'd, he'd fight you in two seconds. But he taught me to be a patriot. He taught me to love this country. We weren't born again, but we were very, very, and I know we're not supposed to use the word, I don't, we, we were very pro-freedom, because I don't want to say conservative. I've got to get away from saying that, because I do want to reach people. And he taught me to love this country. In fact, when I turned 18 on that day, he took me to the post office. I registered um, for the draft. And then I registered to vote. I mean, at 18, he said, this is time. And back then you had to register to vote at 18. 
And so I learned to love this country and love what it stood for and understand some of it. I mean, I don't understand like some of these guys do. I'm like mesmerized, like, oh my gosh, these guys are smart and they're asking me to talk. But then when I became a believer, I understood more of why this country is great, and that's because of God. And we either, we, either, we either will stand up and say in defiance. I mean, people, ministers in China have been persecuted. I mean, I remember hearing stories of, of, the, of whoever the leader was of this group. They were taken away, put in prison, or put to death. And then they always had the next guy. Who's the next guy? And, and I'm always amazed that the next guy would stand up and say, I'll be the leader next. Knowing that their end is death or imprisonment for the rest of their life. And sometimes in America, we've gotten so... Uh, how do I say it? We've gotten, in our prosperity, we've gotten kind of lazy. We've never had to really fight. Now the church is having to fight. And, and it's like what someone said up here, that once the devil takes territory, he doesn't give it back. We've got to take it back. And so today, you and I, pastors across the country, I think this is a great thing. Pastor Brother, thank you so much for putting this on, you and Dr. Scarborough. I, and, and, and thank you so much for pain. Uh, I mean, y- y- who does that? That, that you have business people that believe in America and know that we're, we're the backbone. And if we don't have any backbone, then what's going to happen to America? If we're the conscience of America, we have to stand up and be that conscience. And that's what I've decided to do for my life. And if it means I lose everything, I lose everything. Because I just believe standing with God and for God and fighting for our religious freedoms is important. I, I, I do love this country, and I, I'm thankful God put me in this country. But I, and I do love the Lord. I do. I'm not perfect. I make tons of mistakes. But the thing that I've realized, it's worth it. Someone said, would you do the Trump thing again? Yes. Knowing you're going to lose almost 4,000 people? Yes. Because who did I lose? I lost the fans. And the crowd, oh, you know those people that come up to you like, this is the greatest church in the world. I love you so much, I'll never leave. This is awesome. I think you're great. And then a week later, it's like, I hate your guts. You know, I don't know about you, but I mark those people. When they come up and talk to me like that, I mark them. Like, I'll tell someone next to me, I'll say, they're going to be gone. You watch, they they don't don't listen. They're the the weird ones. It's the ones that don't say anything that I like because I'm like, they'll be cool. But the ones who like flatter, you're like, you're the greatest. Oh, God. God touched my life. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, you'll be gone in a few weeks. I know it. <laughs> Something will offend you. And so I've decided to preach the gospel, continue to preach it. I tell people all the time, if the gospel offends you, I, I will never apologize for God's word. If my bathrooms are dirty and that offends you, I'll apologize for that. But I'm not apologizing for God's word. And God wants obedience. And obedience begins when we don't really understand. We do a lot of things that God, I don't understand why. I don't understand why I'm in this position. Even in New Mexico, I don't understand. I mean, I I'm, I'm constantly feel like I'm fighting all the time, and it's not fun. And I've asked God, God, I don't get it. I don't want to fight all the time. I don't want to feel the way I feel. But I, I guess sometimes when you just stand up, And say, God, I just surrender my life to you. Whatever you need me to do, I will do. Because it's not easy, guys. I know your job's not easy. I I, I salute every pastor, whether we agree theologically or not. I I salute you because I know how hard it is. You deal with people, people hurt you. The rejection, 
And then now this happens. But it's awakening us. And God can use the things that the devil means for evil for our good and his glory. Let me, let me end with this thought. That what I've learned through this process is that even when you do the right thing, it doesn't always turn out well. Now, ultimately, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and call to call. I know ultimately it'll work out, but, you know, God, I did the right thing here. I preached the gospel. I stood for what I was supposed to stand for. But 3,000 or 4,000 people decided they didn't like me anymore. I did the right thing, but it didn't turn out well at the time. Now, ultimately, it's turned out great because today I have a church, not a crowd. The crowd left, and today I'm free to be Steve Smotherman and who God wants me to be. With never a thought like, did I go too far? And when I ask that question to people in my church, I ask it to people that I know will say, you didn't go far enough. I never ask it to people I'm questionable about. And today you and I have an opportunity to do something in America that's never needed to be done other than at the beginning, but needs to be done today. We get to stand. We get to serve a God that I fear him more than I fear man. And, and this life... And this life is worth us and for me. And, and I love my wife because she always stands with me. She'll say things like that. I was a little crazy. But, but she, she realizes that God calls us to stand up. That's why we're here. To be inspired. To realize, and you know what's even greater? We're not alone. This is the best thing for me because I realize I'm not alone. There's other pastors and ministers and business people that will fight with us. And that's what we do together, isn't it? I mean, that's what we're going to do together. And so I thank you for, for your time. I thank you for listening to my testimony. Uh, I had all kinds of pages written down. You know that I didn't even look at them. I just, I just because really, guys, I, my whole goal, my, my prayer was, God, we, we need to be inspired to realize that um, we're not alone. And there's others that are in the fight with us because we get in our own little worlds, and, and it, that's what it is. But when you come to a place like this and look around, you think, man, God, there's always a remnant. He told Elijah. When Elijah said, man, I'm the only one, and God said, come on, Elijah. I, like, I, I, always, I always think of God talking like, chill out, dude. There's 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee. And you know what blesses me today is there's hundreds of us in here that we haven't bowed our knee to Baal either, called the government. The government doesn't dictate to us. We need to just do what we want to do. And that's what I've decided. In my church, 99% of the people don't wear masks. I don't care what the ordinance is. I don't care if she comes and gets me. I don't care if she finds me because i got people that say they'll pay my fines. I, I, um, I've just decided this is the time. We're here for such a time as this. This is our moment, our time to let the light shine once again on that hill. That we're not going to hide our light any longer. We're going to let it shine and the world's going to know who we are. And here's what's going to happen. I believe with all my heart. More and more people are going to be born again. The church is going to come back to a place where we realize that the reason we preach the gospel is to give people opportunities to receive Jesus in their life. And I think we're going to see a resurgence of that. One of the things of the secret friendly movement I couldn't stand is the first thing they quit was doing altar calls. And I remember telling a pastor friend of mine, I don't care what the church does. I'm not a fad guy. I'm going to continue to give people opportunities to receive Christ. And can I tell you something, guys? Lately, more people that come to our church are saying, I need God, because they're fearful. They don't have any answers, but we have the answers. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you guys. Good luck.